This week, Parshat Hazinu, I would like, of course, to discuss the central feature, the central part of Parshat Hazinu, of course, the song, the poem of Hazinu itself, Shirat Hazinu. Shirat Hazinu, Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Aleph, and Sefer Dorem, opens as follows. Moshe says to Amisot, to the children of Israel, Ha'azinu ha'shamayim va'adabera, Give ear the heavens va'adabera, and I will speak. And the earth shall hear the utterance of my mouth. Um, let my lesson drip down like a imrati, Or again, let it uh, move like waters onto the earth, my speech. Here Moshe, as part of his introduction, as part of the invocation of his speech or of the poem, invokes the Shamaim Va'aretz. And in the first Pasuk says, Hazinu HaShamayim Va'adabera. Hear, O heavens, and I will speak for the Shema And in point of fact, Moshe's invocation um, of the Shamayim and Aretz of the heavens and earth, uh, while reminiscent, of course, of the beginning of the Torah, Bereshit, Barayel, Okimet, HaShamayim, Va'aretz, the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, is far more than simply a kind of poetic invocation, a kind of setting of a form, it also involves a particular concept, um, which can be glimpsed by going back to the end of Parshat Be'elech, to Devarim Perak Lamed Aleph. Um, in uh, Devarim Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Kafchet, as part of the uh, lead-up, or the build-up to Shirat Tazinu, Moshe says uh, to uh, the Bnei Yisrael, Hak'ilu et kol uh, Moshe says to the children of Israel, gather together in front of me all of the elders of your tribes and your officers. And I will speak these words. These words, of course, referring to Shirat Hazinu, which we're going to find immediately afterwards in Perak Lamed Bet. And then Moshe says, um, And I will bring a witness against them, against Bnei Israel, uh, the heavens and the earth here are more than just a kind of form or part of a poetic invocation. But they are summoned by Moshe as witnesses, as edim, uh, as testifiers to the statement of the poem, to the song of Hazino. And the question I would like to examine in this year is what exactly is the meaning of this witness function of the Shemayim and the Aretz, of the heavens and the earth? Now, in point of fact, I think this is part of a, a larger question about the term edut, or the term witnessing found in the context of Shirat Hazino. And to explicate this, I would like to go further back in Parshat Ve'elach, to Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk um, Yud Tet. In Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Yud Tet, God gives Moshe the command for the first time to write down or to speak Shirat Hazinu, to speak the song of Hazinu. And Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Yud Tet says as follows, And now write for yourselves this Shirat, this poem, this song, and place it into the mouths of Bnei Yisrael, or teach the Bnei Yisrael, pardon me, and teach it to the Bnei Yisrael, place it into their mouths. Why? So that this Shira, this song, will serve as a witness for me, Bnei Yisrael, in or against Bnei Yisrael. And what Hashem says here to Moshe in Paraklam al is that the very act of writing of the song, or the very act of teaching of the song, is a kind of creation of witnessing or creation of testimony. The Shira itself is an aid to B'nai Yisrael. Or again, 
Uh, further down in Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasik Kaf Aleph, a short two psukim later, um, God says the following to Moshe, And when it will be found in the future that many great evils uh, and difficulties will f- befall B'nai Israel, And this shira, this song will answer in front of them, Le'ed, as a witness, as a testimony, Kiloti um, and it will not be forgotten from their descendants, Kiadati et Yitzro, etc., etc. So here again we see for a second time that the shira, uh, the song of Hazinu, or the uh, speaking or the writing of it, its preservation for generations is turned by God as an edut, as a witnessing, or as a testimony. And in other words, it is not just that the Shamayim Va'aret, the heavens and the earth, are the forum for the speaking of the shear of the song. And it is not just that the Shamayim Va'aret serve as two witnesses for the speaking of the song. The very song itself, the very Shirat Tazinu itself, it's Speaking, it's being spoken to B'nai Israel. It's being written and it's being preserved for generations. Serves as an act of edut, as an act of testimony. And I would like to try to examine what exactly is the meaning of this witnessing function of Shemayim Ba'aretz and the witnessing function per se, and even more deeply, what I really would like to examine is the witnessing function of Shirat Tazino itself. Now, um, I would like to suggest uh, a few uh, interrelated or perhaps complementary ideas as to the meaning of edut testimony or witnessing in the context of Shirat Tazino. And it will take us as we move along to an analysis of the content of Shirat Tazino. But I'd like to begin by noting the standard meaning of the term aid or witnessing, the concept of a dut or testimony, at the very least in Sefer Tzvarim. Um, and this would take us back to uh, some well-known psukim found in Dvarim, Perak Yutet, in Pasuk Tetvav. And there the Torah says as follows. Halachic portion of the Torah. Lo yakum eid echad be'ish l'kol avon l'kol chatat v'chol chet asheyekata. It shall not be established by a single witness against the man for any sin or error that he will sin. Rather, one requires two edim or three edim to certify a matter. So, uh, in fact, the judicial function of witnessing or the judicial function of edim is highlighted by Dvarim Perakutet Pasik Tetvav. The legal requirement uh, for conviction is not one witness, but two witnesses. So, if we're talking about edut, uh, testimony or witnessing in the context of Shirat Tazinu, I think our immediate first thought would be to the judicial function of edim, of witnesses, and apparently there's some sort of judicial aspect of Shirat Tazinu, what might be thought of as a notion of conviction or establishment of fact or establishment of guilt. And in point of fact, I believe this is actually correct, but to understand this more fully, I think we need to understand something deeper about the, the purpose or content of Shirat Tazinu. And I would like to begin by going back. And really the best place to really learn about Shirat Tazinu on some level is in God's words of preface to Shirat Tazinu, uh, which on some level summarize the content without getting us, in, or foreshadow the content, uh, without getting us into the heavy poetic content of Shirat Tazinu itself. So what I'd like to do is pick it up back in Parshat Vayelach, in Perak Lamed Aleph, uh, in, in fact, uh, the 
first pasuk that we began with that mentioned the notion of aid or witnessing regarding Shirat Tazino. So Paraglam and Aleph Paskitet says as follows, And now, write for uh, yourselves this Shira, and teach it to B'nai Yisrael, place it in their mouths, so that this um, uh, song shall be as a witness over and against B'nai Israel. Pasuk Kaf. Now God explains what's the need for this witnessing function. Ki avienu el hadama asher nishbati laavotav zavat chalav udvash. Because I will bring them to the land that I promised the forefathers, zavat chalav udvash, a land of flowing with milk and honey. Va'achal, and the people will consume, they will eat. Visava, they will become satisfied. Vidashen, and they will become fat with satisfaction. Ufana el Elohim acherim, and they will turn to other gods. Va'avadum, and they will serve them. Vini atsuni ve'eferet briti. And they will uh, deny or defile my covenant. Now, God here begins in a kind of prophetic vein to talk about future history. Well, what's going to happen? Well, step one in the historical process or in the foretold process, that God will bring B'nai Israel to the land of Eretz, Chalav, and Devash, and they will become satisfied and fat. Well, step two, what's going to happen? Step two in this process, after becoming satisfied and fat, well, the people will turn to other gods. They will serve other gods. Vinyatsuni, they will scorn or spurn God, and they will negate or reject the covenant. So step two is the rejection of God and the defilement of his covenant. And what happens in step three? We read on in Pasuk Kaf Aleph, through Emperor Glamour, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, Vayakitim Te'ena Oto Ra'ot Rabot Vitzarot. And of course, what will happen as an almost inevitable result of the satisfaction and the fatness and the rebellion and the defilement of the covenant, what will happen is, step three, Ra'ot. There will be Tzarot, difficulties and horrible things that will happen in B'nai Israel. And then God finishes off his uh, prediction with the following, Va'anta Hashira Azot Lefanav, Le'ed. And then this shira, this song of Azina, will serve as a witness or a testimony. Now, if we think about it, um, in these psukim, Dvarim Perik Lamed Aleph, Pasikutet through Kaf Aleph, we have a kind of frame of the mention of the shira as an aid. We have a kind of opening parentheses of the mention of a shira as a witness. And then we have the process. One, the coming to the land of Zavat Chalav Devash and being satisfied. Two, the rebellion and the worship of other gods. Three, the Ra'ot, the punishment, the inevitable punishment, the tragedy that befalls B'nai Israel. And then the close parentheses. Uh, again, the mentioning of the aid function, the testimony or witnessing function of the Shira uh, in Pasuk Kaf Aleph. Now, apparently, there's some sort of connection between uh, the testimony function of the Shira and this process. Now, by no accident, in point of fact, um, this historical process, this threefold process of entering the land of Zavat Chalav Udvash, um, of satisfaction, of rebellion, uh, and eventual punishment, ser- serves as maybe perhaps the centerpiece of the lengthy Shirat Hazinu uh, as part of its middle, lengthy, his- his- middle, middle historical section. Now, if the Shira runs all the way, if the song runs all the way from Paraklamid Bet, Pasik Aleph, through Mem Gimel, 43 Psukim, we might say that the, the heart of it, uh, to some um, uh, point, begins in Paraklamid Bet, Pasuk Yud Gimel, uh, which depicts B'nai Israel's arrival in Eretz Israel after having been chosen by God. 
And although the poetry is a bit difficult here, it is worthwhile to plunge into the text just to kind of map out uh, the process uh, that was predicted previously by God in Periklam and Aleph, which is in fact found at the heart of the Shira, beginning in Periklam and Bet, Pasuk Gimel. And this reads as follows. Yakiveu al bamotei aretz. He would set them up on the high places of the land. Ve'yochal tnuvat sadai. And the people, Am Yisrael, brought into the land, they ate of the goodness of the field. Ve'yinekeu dvash misela. And they suckled dvash, honey, misela from the rock. Ve'shemen mechalamish tzur. And oil from the crag of the rock. Tzur, another term for rock. What else? Pasigudalad. Chemat bakar. Uh, the butter of oxen, v'chalev tzon, literally here meaning milk uh, of sheep. Im chalev karim Well, wait a second. If we realize it, we've just um, caught up with or noted the first part of the threefold historical process mentioned um, by God back in Paraklam and Aleph. We have here the devash, as in devash misela, and the chalav tzon, and in Paraklam and Bet Pasuk Yudim we have the aretz. So the people have arrived in the aretz zavat chalav udevash. Um, well, what happens next? Well, quite quickly after arriving in the land, uh, the relatively mild fare, uh, the simple sustenance of the dvash, the honey, the shaman, the oil, and maybe the butter, the chamat bakan, the chaletzon, and the milk, it seems to change and mutate. As Shirat Azina goes on to depict a far richer diet uh, partaken of by B'nai Yisrael, Paraklam, and Aleph Pasagidal, it says as follows, Im chaliv karim, with the fat of, of lambs, ve'elim, uh, and B'nai Bashan, and, and rams of the Bashan, vatudim and goats, im chaliv kilyot chita, the fat wheat of kidneys, so the fat kidney type wheat, and as even the wheat is depicted with the metaphor of, of chaliv here. So, the, the quickly the chalav, the simple milk of the tzon becomes the chaliv karim, the fat of the uh, lambs. And the animals themselves, and the chaliv kiyot chita, and, and the, the wheat itself is as rich as the fat of kidneys. And then, skipping one pasuk, the paraklamid bet pasuk tedvav and shirat tazina reads as follows, vayishman nishurun vayivat. And Yishuran, a poetic name for Israel, they became fat and they rebelled. And then the Torah speaks uh, almost objectively, Shamanta, you Israel have become fat, Avita, you become thick with fat, Kasita, you've been covered with fat. Um, the very satiation of B'nai Israel, uh, the fatness of the land they've consumed, becomes a kind of covering for their bodies. And then, Paraklamet Bet Pasuk Tetvav tells us, Ve'yitosh Elokah, and they abandoned God who had made them, and they scorned or treated as an abomination the rock of their salvation, meaning God. And then the Torah goes on to explicitly elaborate in numerous psukim the fact that Bnei Israel worshipped the Vodazarah. Now, as cause follows effect, well, what happens? First, B'nai Israel become fat on the fair of the land, and they become satisfied, and they rebel against God. And second, they worship Avodah Zarah, and then, of course, God becomes angry. And in, um, beginning later on in the Shira and Periklamid Bet, Pasakaf Aleph, Pasakaf Bet, we get to the inevitable punishment. And, uh, the Torah there says in Periklamid Aleph, Pasakaf Bet, Ki esh kadcha va'api vatikad ad sha'ol tachtit. Uh, a fire burnt in my anger, and it burned down to the very bottom of Sha'ol, to the underworld. Vatochal Eretz Vivula, in Pasuk Kaf Bet. 
and the, the land and its produce were consumed down to the very foundations of the mountain. And Paraklamid Bet, Kafkimel culminates or even begins to outline the horrors of what happened to Bnei Israel. Aspe Alemo Raot. I will add upon them, uh, or heap upon them, Raot bad things. And the Torah goes on, pestilence and plague and famine and other horrible things that happened to Bnei Israel in the core of Shirat Hazinu. The idea is here that at the very heart of Shirat Hazinu lies this three-part historical process predicted by God back in his speech to Moshe in Perak Lamed Aleph. One, the people enter the land of Eretz Havat Vudvash and they become satisfied. Two, they rebel against God and worship of Zarah. And three, as cause follows effect, they are inevitably punished. In other words, Shirat Hazinu plays a kind of important role in future history. It explains on some level what happens to B'nai Yisrael in the future. It serves as a kind of act of witnessing or testimony against B'nai Yisrael in the future. It convicts B'nai Yisrael in some sense in the future. It explains that that which has happened to them is because of their satiation and rebellion and their worship of other gods. And as such, it really is a dut. It is an act of witnessing against B'nai Yisrael. And this is on one plane. However, if we think about it more deeply, we might, there might be said to be another side to the notion of a dut, or the notion of witnessing. And uh, what I mean by this is as follows. If we think of our paradigmatic court case, in every court case, there are two sides to the case. Uh, there is the one who is found guilty, uh, often termed in the language of the Torah, the Rasha. Um, and there is the one who is found innocent, or is found zakai, who is found worthy, also t- often termed in the Lashon of the Torah, the Tzadik, as in the Pasot, v'tzdiko et tzadik et ha and when witnesses serve to convict the convicted party, they also serve to justify uh, the party uh, on the other side of the court case. And on some sense, we may expect um, that Shirat Hazinu serves, if so, not just to convict B'nai Israel uh, as the cause of the horrors that have befallen them in history because of their rebellion, but it also serves to justify the other party, or to justify another side. We might say it serves as a testimony to the justification of God's ways, and we might even say this on some theoretical plane without looking at the Pesukim. But if we look at the Pesukim, I think this is quite a central theme of Shirat Hazinu, the kind of other side of the witnessing, not so much the conviction of Bnei Israel, but the justification uh, of God's ways and that which will happen to Bnei Israel in the future. Um, and a good way to see this again uh, is by going back to the preface uh, uh, by God to Moshe regarding Shirat Tazinu, uh, to look at the text there and then to go back to the poetry of the song of the poem itself and note some of the overlap between the preface and the poetry of Shirat Tazinu itself. So let us pick it up uh, on this note in Parak Lamed Aleph, um, Pasuk Tetzayin, where God says to Moshe as follows, Ve'erim Hashem el Moshe, God said to Moshe, Im 
you are going to sleep with your fathers. You will die. And the people will get up and stray after the foreign gods of the land that you were coming amidst them. And they will abandon me. And they will violate my covenant that I have established with them. And then God goes on to say in Tim, And my anger will burn against them in that day and I will abandon them. And I will turn my face from them. They will be consumed in Matzau, And many horrible, bad, evil, difficult things uh, will uh, find them, will come upon them. Hello, hello, etc., etc. Now, um, we can note here in the language of the text, God declares his intention that in the future, I will uh, abandon them. But if we were listening uh, to the text here, preceding uh, that Pasuk in Periklamet Aleph Pasuk Tetzayin, we found the um, rationale for why will God will be Ozev, Ayin Zayin, Bet is the Shoresh, God will abandon or leave. It's because in the previous Pasuk we're told that the people come to the land uh, and they will worship the foreign gods they found there. It is a kind of measure for measure relation because the people depicted in Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk they have abandoned God. Therefore, in Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Yud Zayin, God says, I will abandon them. And similarly, uh, God declares his intention in Pasuket I will hide my, spa- my face from them. This, uh, this um, terminology often referred to as Hester Panim, where God is hidden, where God's provenance is removed, where horrible things fall, B'nai Yisrael. And the B'nai Yisrael will say, Ki'ein Elokai because God is, nit- um, amidst, is not amidst me. That's why these Ra'ot Ta'ela have found me. And God repeats again in Pasuket I will certainly hide my face from them on that day. But he continues on. The reason why God hides his face from B'nai Israel, the histarti panai of Pasuk Zion, and the haster astir panai of Pasuk Yudchet, is because, as God says at the end of Pasuk Yudchet, ki elelokim acherem, because they have turn to other gods. They turn their face away first. It is their hasarat uh, panim, or their moving of their face. That's what causes God to move his face, to hide his face. Again, it's measure for measure. They abandoned him, and therefore God abandons them. They turn their face, therefore God hides his face. And of course, finally, in a third example of kind of linguistic matching in these two psukim, Periklam and Aleph, and Pasigudzayin, and Yudchet, um, the punishment or the tragedy that befalls B'nai Israel is known in the Pasuk, These are ra'ot, evils, great evils before the people. But of course, at the end of Pasuk and again, at the end of Pasuk Yudzayin, the people complain of the evils that have befallen them. But if we look at the end of uh, Pasuk Yud Chet, or in the middle of Pasuk Yud, God says, uh, I will turn my face because of all the evil that they have done. The ra'ot that before B'nai Yisrael are again a measure for measure response to the ra'at, to the evil that they have done to God by turning away from him and worshipping Abu Dazara. So in these three linguistic matches here, 
the Aziva versus the Aziva, and the Hester Panim versus the Hester Panim, the turning versus the turning, and finally the Ra'a versus the Ra'a, the evil versus the evil. God makes it clear that everything that happens to B'nai Yisrael is a measure for measure punishment, a measure for measure response, midah k'nege midah. And as such, the theme here is that of justice or balance. Now this theme of justice or balance is also found quite explicitly in the uh, Shira itself, in the Song of Azinu itself. Uh, specifically, I have in mind a, a segment um, uh, regarding the, the punishment, uh, regarding the ra'ot that God says will befall B'nai Yisrael. And we pick it up for the moment in Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Kaf Aleph. Uh, the Torah there says as follows, Heim kinuni below el, um, they, God says, they, the people, made me jealous or vexed me with below El, something which is not a God. Ki asuni they made me angry with their absurdities, the absurd things they, they worshipped. Va'ani akni'em, the same exact word, heim kinuni, they vexed me or made me jealous. Va'ani akni'em, and I will vex them or make them jealous. They did it with a below El. They turned to a non-God or a not real God, and I will vex them or make them jealous. Va'ani akni'em, below Am, with a non-existent nation, a, a measure for measure. They vexed me, I will vex them. Um, they turn to a non-God, I will bring a non-people upon them. And clearly the idea is is that uh, the punishment is on some level measure for measure. Now, if such, the theme is that Shirat Azinu is all about justice. We might say that this takes us back to one of the key terms of the Shira, which is found already somewhere near the introductory or near the end of the introductory segment of um, the Shira of the song, where Perak Lamed Bet Pasek Dalid decrees the following. Hatsur, the rock, or the foundation stone, meaning God himself. Tamim Pa'lo, his actions are perfect. Kichod Rachav Mishpat, all of his ways are justice. El Emunav Ein Avel, he is a reliable God. There is no distortion in his ways. Tzadik, the Yasharu, he is righteous and straight. Shichet Lo, Lo Banav Mumam, is of course the people that became corrupt. So Hatsur Tamim Palo, God, uh, the rock, is perfect in his ways. And Kol Rachav Mishpat, Tzadik, the Yasharu, is one of the central themes of the poem. It is God's justice. And in point of fact, Throughout the poem, the idea of tzur, God as the rock, as steadfast, as reliable, as just, that word appears seven times throughout Shirat Tazino in this kind of context. Uh, and one of the themes of Shirat Tazino is the justice of God because everything that happens to B'nai Israel is measure for measure. Because they turned away from Him, He turns away from them. Because they hid their face, He hides their face. Uh, he hides his face. Because they did ra'at to him, he does ra'at to them. And the second aspect, or the complementary aspect of the witnessing function of the shira, is that it serves not just to convict B'nai Yisrael, but also to justify uh, the ways of God. It is a kind of theological statement, a statement of theodicy, declaring over and over and over that God's ways in history are just. And this is a second aspect of the judicial witnessing function of the shira as an aid, as a witnessing. Now, I'd like to add a kind of third meaning or third interpretation of the notion of Eidot, uh, one which is in some ways very, very different than the first two which are connected up, the notion of judicial procedures. Um, and I think this is because the term Eidot has sometimes a relatively non-judicial meaning, especially in the context of Torah as opposed to uh, courts. And I'd like to kind of uh, explain uh, what I mean by this. Um, and to unpack this, I think it might be worthwhile to take a look at Parak Lamid Aleph, 
Pasuk Kaf Dalet, again from that segment in Vayelech preceding Parshat Tazino. And we read as follows. And when Moshe finished writing the words of uh, this Torah, Al uh, Sefer onto the book Ad Tumam until their completion. And Moshe then commanded the Leviim, the carriers of the Aron Brit Hashem, the Ark of the Covenant of God. Take this Sefer Torah, and place it next to this Sefer Torah, whatever that is, next to the Ark of the Covenant of God, and it will be there as a witness. Now, without going too much into detail here, Dvarim Perak Lamed Aleph details two writings of the Torah, or in fact, Two, the writings of two Torot, one might say. And both times, at the beginning of Periklam and Aleph, a segment I did not read now, and here at the end of Periklam and Aleph, in a segment I did read, uh, Moshe writes the Torah, uh, and then afterwards gives it, uh, in, in a second step, to the Levi'im, those who carry the Aron. And finally, in both cases, uh, the, this written Torah is placed next to the Aron Brit Hashem. Um, now, most probably... Uh, the first time that Moshe is depicted as writing the Torah at the beginning of Perak Laman Aleph, it includes everything in the Torah except for Shirat Hazinu. And here, the second time around that Moshe uh, writes the Torah, we're told in Perak Laman Aleph, Pasik Kaf Dalet, Torah Zot Ad Sefer Ad Tumam until their completion, including Shirat Hazinu, even before it's spoken. And then it's given to the Levium, and it's not going to be read out once a year or anything like that. Rather, what's going to happen to it? It's going to be placed next to the Aron Brit Hashem as an aid, as a testimony. Now, um, often throughout Shmot, the Luchot, the 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 tablets received at um, Har Sinai, they're sometimes referred to as Luchot Abrit, the uh, the Luchot of the Covenant, the tablets of the Covenant, and sometimes they're referred to as Luchot Eidut. Uh, tablets of the testimony, or the luchot of, of the of the testimony, and what do the luchot testify to? They testify to the existence of the covenant of the eternal covenant made between God and Israel, contracted at Sinai, that concludes on forever. Um, and I would like to argue that in this last usage of the term aid here in Periklamet Aleph, Pasek Kavav, where Shirat Azino is written down until its very end and then it's given to the Levim and placed next to the Aron Brit Hashem. And Aron Brit Hashem is, tes- is specified twice by the Pesukim, both in Kafhei and in Kavav, next to the Ark of the Covenant of God containing the Luchot Brit, and it's placed there as an aid I don't think it's meant in a judicial sense of a witnessing against B'nai Yisrael or justification of God's ways. Rather, it's meant in a covenantal sense. In some sense, Shirat Hazinu is essential uh, to the covenant between God and Israel, and its witnessing function is essential to the covenant between God and Israel. And to understand this, I'd like to just make a few last points uh, about the Shirat, because I think this is a completely different understanding of witnessing uh, of Edut, not so much the judicial, but rather the covenantal. I think that's also very much a central theme of uh, Shirat Tazinu, and allow me to explain what I mean by this. Although Shirat Tazinu uh, describes the horrible historical scenario known as Hester Panim, uh, the hiding of God's face, as we saw in Dvarim Perak Lamed Aleph, 
Pasuk Yud Zayin, God said, Vistarti panai mehem vayallechol umatsu rabot rabot bitzarot. I will hide my face in them. I will abandon them. They will be consumed. And horrible, evil, difficult things will find them. And in Shirat Hazinu itself, again, in Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Kaf, we read, Vayomer astira panai mehem erem macharitam. I will hide my face from them and see what happens to them. Kidor tapuchot hema, because they are recalcitrant, a rebellious generation. Banim lo uman bam. They are unreliable children. So, Shirat Hazinu is about Hester Panim and the plague and the pestilence and the famine that comes about upon B'nai Israel throughout Shirat Hazinu is about Hester Panim, the hiding of God's face. But nevertheless, fascinatingly enough, Shirat Hazinu focuses over and over and over on what might be thought of as the father-son or the parent-child relationship that exists between God and the children of Israel. To just pick a few examples, if we take a look in Paraglamid Bet, Pasuk He, a relatively well-remembered verse, we're told, Shichet lo, lo banav mumam. Uh, they have been corrupt. They are not proper children. Um, or one Pasuk later, in Paraglamid Bet, Pasuk Vav, um, the people are reproved or told, Allahu avicha kanecha hu ascha vaychonenecha. Uh, God is your father. So if, if we, B'nai Yisrael, are the Banim, God is the father, God is the Av, the one who has made you, who has set you up, who has established you. And then, uh, or example, uh, or another example, later on in the Shira, even in the very midst of the horrors of Hester Panim, of the hiding of God's face, um, in Parak Lamed Bet Pasek Kaf, the Torah refers to Am Yisrael as Banim, Lo Uman Bam. They are children. Despite it all, they remain children to God. And, Many other examples of this, but and it's not just the father-child imagery that gives this sense of of closeness between God and Israel throughout um, Shirat Hazin. Also, another image: God carries them as an as an eagle uh, on his back to the land of Israel. He sets them up in the land, and then Sukim that I read previously, Paraklamid Bet Pasuk Gimel, Yakiveu Al Bamate Aretz Vayochal Tnuvot Sadai. God set them up in the high places of the land. And they consumed the produce of the field. And he caused them, the language here is which means literally to suckle. God caused them to suckle um, uh, honey from a rock. And oil from the crag of the rock. Um, so it is almost as if God is the parent, even the mother, uh, the mother bird or the mother of Am Yisrael, who feeds them by having them suckle from his land, from the land of Israel. And if we even think about the image here, it's even more daring because God himself is known as the Tzur, as the rock, uh, and meaning the context of justice throughout the poem, it appears seven times. But the eighth time uh, the the word Tzur appears is exactly in the Pasuk, I read Paraklam, Bet Pasuk Gimel, V'Shem Nechalamish Tzur. It is the means by which God, it is the rock of the land. But in some sense, it goes back to God himself. It's as if the child, uh, Am Yisrael, suckles from the mother or the mother bird or the parent figure. And throughout this, Parent, child, mother, nurturing imagery appears throughout the Hester Panim. Um, or if we think about this in uh, another way, another kind of idea that undercuts um, the notion of Hester Panim or hiding of the face. Um, the poem begins with a discussion of the past, God's unique covenantal relationship with Am um, Yisrael. Um, uh, where, for example, 
Um, as God says in Perek Lamed Bet, Pasuk Tet, or the poem says in Perek Lamed Bet, Pasuk Tet, Ki chelik Hashem amo Yaakov chelo nachlato. It is Israel that is God's particular portion, His inheritance. And then we go on after the first segment that describes God finding them in Midbar and choosing them and bringing them close. They come into the land. And then you get the, the pattern of sustenance and satiation and rebellion and punishment. But then after God's vengeance... In the third part of the poem, things move or things change. At the end of the poem, God turns his vengeance over to the other nations, those who have brought pestilence or those who have attacked or those who have served as enemies of Klai Israel. And God's vengeance turns to the other nation. And the way the poem ends, uh, just one quick verse, Paraglamad Bet, Pasik Mem Gimel, reads as follows. Haninu goyim amo. God will avenge the blood of his servants. And he will put vengeance upon his true enemies. And he will atone or cleanse the land of his people. So here at the end of the poem, after the horrors of history, we have the B'nai Yisrael referred to as Avadav, as his servants. God will take vengeance against the other nations on behalf of his servants. Who are God's real enemies? Not his people, Am Yisrael, but the enemies of Am Yisrael. And he will achieve atonement or cleanse the land of his people. So it's Avadav and it's Amo, and the enemies of Am Yisrael are God's enemies, and God's vengeance turns over to the real enemies. And what we should see here is that on some level, the poem is all about the special relationship between God and Israel, whether it be back in history when he chose them and nurtured them, or whether it even be during the horrors of Esther Panim where they are still his children, or it be after, after the horrors of Esther Panim have passed and God takes vengeance against Israel's enemies and their relationship is now fully open to the eyes of all. The idea is that the covenantal relationship transcends and underlies everything that happens uh, in the poem. We might say that the horrors of Hester Panim, of God's hiding his face from Am Yisrael, that are depicted in the poem, are only a kind of brief interlude. They're almost perhaps a historical illusion, uh, an optical illusion, something that appears a certain way but isn't really that way. Because what undergirds it, what underlies it, and what's both at the beginning and both at the end, is the trans-historical covenantal relationship that exists between God and his people. And that's really, on some level, the subject of the poem. Now, if that's so, we've unmasked another sense in which the shira of Hazinu is edut. Edut not in the sense of judicial testimony that convicts one and justifies the other, but edut in the covenantal sense, that it testifies to the ongoing existence of the permanent covenant between God and Israel, no matter what. And in this sense, Shirat Hazinu finishes off the Torah on some level. It completes the writing of the Torah on some level. It is placed next to the Aron Brit Hashem, because it too is an object of Brit, an object of covenant, of covenantal testimony. And in this sense, uh, there's another sense of edut that exists here.